Today's topic is how to deal with conflict. Uh, I was kind of finishing up uh, 1 Corinthians. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. No religion, too. Imagine all the people living in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Come on, let's all sing along. <laughs> John Lennon, uh, this was the best-selling song of his career. And he said shortly before his death, much of the lyrics were co-written by Yoko Ono. Since 2005, event organizers before the New York City's Times Square ball drop plays Imagine ever since 2005. Kind of an appropriate time for that song <clears throat> when we're saying Goodbye to the past year with hope for a new year. <clears throat> but that's what it is. It's hope. It's hope that the world would live in peace. Such beautiful lyrics, right? You might say that, oh, that's one of my favorite songs. Until I played it for you in church and you started thinking about the lyrics. Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there's no hell. Imagine there's no religion. It kind of you get a big reaction to it, right, as a Christian. But then you get into the words of, imagine there's, uh, you know, no countries, no division, nothing to kill or die for. And you kind of resonate with those uh, uh, lyrics as well. Well, it's a beautiful song. No one could deny that. And it has some hopeful, beautiful lyrics. But it's not based in reality. It's not based in reality, just like the world living in peace. If you just, okay, slap ourselves around from our holiday New Year's Eve hangover and just uh, take a quick look at human history, that's not how humans behave, right? That's not how the world has behaved, is going to behave. Unfortunately. Wow, Pastor, this is a depressing message. <laughs> Leave it up to Pastor Curtis to talk about reality. This is a reality. So the Bible gives us practical things about our human nature. Our Christian worldview is not John Lennon. Our Christian worldview, if you want to know, is summed up in three words. Creation, fall, and redemption. Creation, fall, and redemption. That's, if you want to talk to somebody about what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, I believe in creation. God created us like the Garden of Eden. And that's some of the wishful thinking that's kind of contained in this song, right? I wish it was like where we lived in peace and harmony like in the Garden of Eden. So that story is in here. Absolutely. That story is in here. But also what is in reality is that there's a fall. 
I wish it was just a story, <laughs> right, as a person. I wish it was just something historical, like, oh, that's an interesting concept, the Garden of Eden and temptation and stuff like that. I wish it was just a concept of, of uh, oh, there's a big theological word for it. I can't think of it, and that's good, because I won't use it anyway. Um, but the sin of one, Adam, how unfair is that, that the whole rest of humanity has to deal with the sin of Adam? You and I, 2000, I don't know how, 2000 since the birth of Christ, how old is humankind? Why do we have to deal with that? right? An innocent baby, us, came into the world. But the reality is, <clears throat> you know, the innocent little babies turn into selfish little two-year-olds. <laughs> me, 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 mine, 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 me, mine. The whole world revolves around me. The reality of the fall and selfishness is always before us, right? It, it is there, whether we want to admit it or not, it is there. So the Bible gives us, well, let me back up and give you the full story. Redemption is God's way of bringing all this to, uh, all the things that we hope for in this song, imagine. Imagine that there's peace in the world. Imagine. And so as Christians, we hope for that. We hope for the kingdom of God. And when Jesus came into the world, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is right before you. And, that, and so that was blowing people's minds because they were expecting what? A kingdom where God would reign politically and usher in peace into the world with whatever, a stick or something. And that is the imagery that we have, is that uh, there would be a nation of God, a kingdom of God reigning over the world. And you know what? That story is in the, is in the Bible as well. And since the time of Christ, the answer is, Jesus is not, God is not going to uh, raise up the United States or some other country, New Zealand or whatever, <laughs> to be <clears throat> the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is where? The kingdom of God is invisible. Well, not invisible, but not a physical land, plot of land. It's not Israel. Certainly, if you're Jewish, you would have issue with a lot of what I'm saying today. But the kingdom of God is raised in the life, death, and resurrection of God himself, Jesus. And as we accept Jesus into our lives, what? That kingdom of God is evident in each heart that is a believer. And this is where we have the hope of a kingdom where peace would reign. 
Do you see where I went broad, world peace, to now? This is where God's kingdom is reigning, in each of your hearts. That battle of good and evil that God conquered, the victory is in our faith in God. And it's available for us today. Now, I could simply end our message, and that would be a nice Christmas message. That would be a nice one-time, <laughs> big picture. If you haven't given your life to Christ, today's the day. <laughs> but God leaves us here to sanctify us, to usher in that kingdom day by day, year by year, in our relationships, in our hearts, in our mind. God wants to renew our minds and our hearts. And so this is the context of uh, what led me in 1 Corinthians. Love is, does not keep a record of wrongs. That is the ideal, but certainly it's difficult to do that. So God gives us some practical ways to deal with conflict. Conflict. When there's the lack of peace in our relationships, in our family, in our marriage, in our community. So I'm going to give you 10 uh, practical steps that I've gathered from a couple passages here. First is out of 1 Corinthians, uh, how to respond when wronged. We talked about that a week or two ago, right? Love is patient. This is how to deal with, this is how to keep the peace. What does Jesus say? One of the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are what? Peacemakers, right? Peacemakers. So love is long-suffering when wrong. Love suffers long. Love is patient. That means we are thick-skinned. We don't operate from a scarcity mentality. We operate from an abundance mentality because Jesus redeemed us. We have the power of God within us. Love is kind. Love is not easily angered. We're not easily threatened versus a scarcity mentality uh, when we're wronged. Now, we talked about fantasy and just imagine to reality. You know, all I have to do is think of recently when you have been wronged. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, <laughs> I was having such a good day. <laughs> right? I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there in my mind. But we're not easily wronged. When we are wronged, we have to be less angry, less thin-skinned, less reactionary. Love does not seek its own way. You don't have to be right in that argument. Think of that ongoing argument you're having <laughs> with, with whoever. You don't have to be right. You don't have to win. Here's a quick video about I remember this as, as a youth, you know, my parents and elders would say, just stay out of trouble. You know, that was their general advice to me. It wasn't get, 
yeah, it was good, get good grades or whatever. I think my mom's motivation was, well, if you want nice things, you better get good grades. <laughs> you better study hard. But part of it was stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. So here's a clip out of the Karate Kid. Remember the Karate Kid? Everybody remembers the Karate Kid. Daniel, what's his name? Daniel LaRusso. Daniel LaRusso. That kid? From where? Reseda. <laughs> Reseda, California. This is the context of the Karate Kid. So we look at uh, Daniel LaRusso as the poor, picked on kid, right? Who was bullied in school, who uh, got into it with the bullies and got to know Mr. Miyagi and he taught him principles of life and he conquered all his demons, right? Here's a funny uh, video that flips the script and asks the question, was Daniel really the victim in all this or was Daniel the bully? That escalation story of adolescence, obviously thin skin, scarcity mentality, um, someone offended and things escalate from there. That's obviously the wrong way to deal with things. By the way, if you haven't seen Cobra Kai on Netflix, Cobra Kai, it's the sequel of the Karate Kid series. And most of the characters, I think, most of the original characters return, reprise their roles a generation later, and uh, the drama continues. Actually, it's a very clever show, especially the first two seasons. But how to respond to conflict. Let's take a look at Philippians 4, if you want to jot down a reference. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 1. Um, the Apostle Paul addresses a conflict at the church in Philippi. And we're going to draw some conclusions from this, but I'll read it for you. Um, if you want to follow along, Philippians 4, 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Eudia, and I plead with Sintica, however you say that, Sintich, Sintich, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, to help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Verse 4, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Don't be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So, here's your checklist. From this passage, these two passages, I'm going to give you uh, just some thoughts, simple application things. Number one, remember that we're all brothers and sisters when we're in conflict. You know how they say blood is thicker than water, right? Often, uh, when there's conflict, people just cancel each other. (laughs) Defriend you (laughs) on Facebook. Uh, Literally, commit murder, you know? Just cancel you out of my life if there's conflict. And you can recall... Uh, situations in your church history, maybe recent history, that people are just gone (laughs) from fellowship. They're going to punish you just by uh, not fellowshipping with you anymore. Well, this is not the way to deal with conflict. Whether it's a work situation, your neighbor, who may be a believer or not, The Apostle Paul is reminded us, hey, remember, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all the same family. Remember that. Find some way to reconcile. All right? Oops. Number two. Stand firm in the Lord this way. Stand firm. This is how you live your faith. Scripture says, as iron sharpens iron. Well, that's an interesting concept. However, iron sharpening iron doesn't feel very good at times, right? doesn't sound very good. <laughs> Grinding together, chiseling off our rough spots. Wow, that doesn't sound, that doesn't feel very good. And... Uh, I'm thinking of accountability, accountability partners, uh, being asking someone in the church to be your accountability partner and vice versa. Have you ever done that? Has that concept ever been brought to you? Um, promise keepers was a you know men's movement uh, you know back in the day. Um, it has since, you know, come and gone, <laughs> you know. But uh, the whole idea of accountability partners, um, one or two people that you can ask, you know, how often do we ask, hey, you know, I, I, if there's anything that you ever see in me, like talk, you know, some way that's not godly, or if you see a pattern or whatever, the way I'm treating my family, you know, I I want you to mention it to me because I want to be godly. I want to be holy. How often do we do that? Stand firm in this way. Don't avoid it. Number three, deal with conflict. Deal with conflict. What does the Bible say? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So, you know, if something is really bothering you, Um, you could choose to, you know, just let it go, right? Not keeping a record of wrongs. You can say uh, there's enough of 
uh, you know, the world's big enough for the both of us, <laughs> right? We, I don't have to win or I don't have to lose. We could live that way. Interesting, I think that's what President Xi said recently at the meeting with President Biden. He said, the world is big enough for both China and the United States. <laughs> the world's big enough for both of us to live. Wow, does, do you have to be, uh, does one have to win or, or not? Consider if the conflict is significant enough to confront or is it simply uh, me protecting my fragile ego, all right? My sense of worth. But if it is significant enough to deal with, um, most conflicts, they say, we are actually arguing for a principle or a value, okay? Um, again, flipping that over, uh, that's, that's certainly worthy enough to have a discussion, okay, talk about the conflict, but if it's simply our ego we're uh, defending, uh, we have to have that in check. Number four, if need be, get a third party for accountability. If need be, get a third party for accountability. In this particular passage, the Apostle, says, Apostle Paul says, uh, um, and I ask you, my true companion, to help these women reconcile, right? If need be, get a third party to keep yourself in check um, and have move the discussion forward. That's wise. Um, elsewhere in scripture, it says if, uh, you know, a brother has sinned against you, you know, go to them personally, right? You don't have to go behind their back and talk about it with everybody else first, but first go to the person and try to reconcile. And if that doesn't reconcile things, go with another elder, go with another person. So if need be, have a third party. Number five, <clears throat> Be of the same mind, all right? Be of the same mind. The Apostle Paul pleads these two to be of the same mind. They're co-laborers in uh, the cause of Christ. That They shared the gospel. They labored side by side. So especially in the church, we need to be of the same mind. That is simply to find common ground. Find common ground. At the same time, realizing that we're different, but find common ground and move forward. So at board meetings, at committee meetings, there doesn't have to be winners or losers, but find common ground. And contrasting this, that this, after all, our names are written in the book of life, and we labor telling and sharing Christ's message of love and forgiveness and renewal. I mean, that's what we're co-laborers in. Uh, be of the same mind. Find common ground. Now, if we're in conflict with someone that we're not co-laborers with <laughs> in the cause of Christ, there might not be, uh, realistically, resolution or peace, right? If it's a neighbor, co-worker, whatnot, where there's uh, angst, there's passive aggressiveness, there's 
a need for winning, winners and losers in that context, uh, sometimes uh, there might not be uh, reconciliation. The Bible says, avoid suing each other, not just generally. It's not that you, not that you have to be a doormat in this world. But the context is, don't sue your, don't be so quick to sue your brothers and sisters. You know, work, work it out between you two before you take your business to, uh, you know, in the secular arena. But that doesn't mean that sometimes we might need the help of a lawyer, <laughs> the rule of law, because cre- creation, fall, redemption, let's not be deluded. We do live in a fallen world, right? Though we live in America, <clears throat> gosh, if you have gone on a mission or two or been out of the United States, sometimes they say it's important to get out of America once in a while, to get the America-ness out of us, to look and see how the rest of the world has lived. And gosh, if you see some of the conflicts, some of the oppression in other uh, third world uh, countries, you know, uh, the poverty, poverty and the corruption, um, we live, indeed, in a fallen world. So, uh, point five again. Find common ground with your brothers and sisters, for we co-labor to, together. And our lives, we can't just cancel each other. You know, we're going to see each other in heaven, too. So, <laughs> hello. Uh, think about that. Let go of those feuds. Do you want to bring those feuds into heaven with you? And indeed, there are scripture about upon scripture. If you lay your altar, bring your offering to the altar. If you have aught with your brother, if you have a conflict, leave your offering and go make peace with your brother. King David talked about um, our prayers being blocked because of our sin. Or he's thankful that God's Holy Spirit is not taken away from me because of these things. So there are consequences to uh, harboring grudges, uh, sweeping conflict under the rug that maybe in our own sensibilities, can I say Asian sensibilities here and not offend anyone? No, I think we're the majority here. Majority rules. In our Asian sensibilities, we don't like to. Frontal conflict confront things that much, right? However, we do it in a different way. <laughs> maybe, maybe not uh, so upfront and verbally, but uh, oh, we are human too, and we do hold grudges, and we have thin skins, and we hold grudges, right? And there are battles. I digress. Where am I? Let's see. Number six. Number six, let's move on. Rejoice. Again, I I say rejoice. Wow, even in conflict? In the context of conflict? I always kind of had this, you know, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. I always, like, separated it, you know, from the context that we just read. 
But the context, as far as this chapter, if Paul's letter is tied to what he just wrote before, is he's talking about conflict and living in peace with each other. And then he's saying, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Even in conflict, even in struggle, even in iron sharpening iron, maybe because this is God's plan of sanctification, because we're going to become stronger and better. It's kind of like that saying, oh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I like, I like talking to people when they kind of say that. You know, you know they're going through some struggle. Like, we all have struggle, right? We all have tragedy in our lives. We all have struggle in our lives. We all have conflict. We all have physical ups and downs. I love people that have that sense of peace. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And you know they can go on and on about <laughs> whatever chronic physical condition they're going through or family, familial, relationship. But it's all good. You know, let's not be fanciful like it's all good, right? It's not all good, right? War and peace, conflict, <clears throat> everybody living in what as one. Imagine that there's no nothing to live or die for. It's not all good, right? But our struggle in the Christian uh, walk, as God, we are justified, we're saved. Imagine there's no heaven or hell below us. Well, theologically, we believe there's a heaven or hell, but as we come to Christ, right? Heaven or hell is no longer a consequence for me. Imagine there's no heaven or hell for you. Well, don't struggle with the theology. Imagine there's no hell for you. Wow. Praise God. It's all good. It's only, it's like, it's, it's gravy. Everything's gravy on top of it. There's no hell. The struggle that we have is just sanctification. It's putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And, and receiving glory in our lives, and our relationships. It's all good. That's all good. Number seven, check your gentleness in the process. Check your gentleness. The passage says, let your gentleness be known to all. What does it say? I don't have it right before me. Rejoice, there it is. Rejoice, again I say re rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Okay, that's an encompassing statement. You know, in the past I kind of just shined over it. Let your gentleness be known to all. Let your gentleness be known to all. In the context of conflict, wow. When you're in the heat of the moment, are you like blood pressure rised? Veins popping about your neck, <laughs> face red. Is that the time for conflict? We need to talk about this now. Now. Come here right now. <laughs> How many of his parents have done that? You know, <laughs> get, 
get over here right now. Let your gentleness in the context of conflict be known to all. Wow, that's convicting, right? That's convicting in any conflict. Let your gentleness. Stephen Covey, it's not scriptural, and he's also not a true Christian, <laughs> but in the seven habits of highly effective people, he talks about first, one of the steps is first seek to understand, then to be understood. That's one of the steps. First seek to understand where the person where the conversation is coming from, and then be assertive enough to be understood. You know, you know he's teaching this. Given our nature, are we, always, are we always perfect in that? Of course we're not, right? What is our selfish nature trying to do? <laughs> to be understood. That's how arguments escalate. That's how the volume escalates, by the way, is because you say what you are sharing, and maybe it's a little vulnerable, and the person judges it, whatever, it's defensive or whatever. When we feel we're not heard, what do we do? <laughs> we raise the volume because <laughs> we want to be heard. We raise the volume, and that's how arguments literally escalate because we simply want to be heard. So let your gentleness be known to all. Wow, in the context of, of conflict, that's so important. To listen, what everyone has to say, and then, then seek, seek to understand, and then to be understood. Number eight, don't be anxious about the conflict. Don't be anxious. If we're driven by God's spirit, God says, I will give you the words. I will give you the words. God, you know. I think earlier I said, uh, pray through First uh, Corinthians uh, 13. Pray through it. Wow, what a, what a great thing to uh, prepare your heart and mind before a confrontation, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not seek its own way. Love is not boastful or rude. Love does not keep records of wrongs. Right? Don't be anxious <clears throat> about the conflict. And if we uh, follow God's uh, instructions, that is, we let the small stuff go, we're not so thin-skinned, but we do... Uh, care enough to confront about significant things, if we know that we're going to be gentle, if we already know that this is my brother or sister, that, you know, I don't have to win, you know, but you want to come to a greater understanding, don't be anxious about it, and conflict won't be so, you know, uncomfortable. And many of us <clears throat> have to grow from this if we are have Asian sensibilities here. Um, you know, we, we uh, uh, grew up with a kind of a warped sense of, you know, conflict resolution. <laughs> if you think in your own family of origin, right, what example were we given of appropriate 
conflict resolution. So, uh, number eight, number nine, focus on what is good and praiseworthy. Oh, this is so good. This is another passage just like uh, uh, rejoice again, I say rejoice. You know, we'll take that out and pull it out of the, and put it into worship right before we sing. This is why we should rejoice because it says it right there. <laughs> right in the context of conflict, uh, he talks about whatever is praiseworthy. Think about these things. So in conflict, if you're only bringing up negative things, it's natural for someone to get defensive. If someone only brought up negative things to you, you know, you know, we're all on our different levels of maturity. It's very easy to get defensive, right? So whatever is praiseworthy, good. Think about these things, all right? In management systems, they used to talk about, well, use the kiss em, kick em, kiss em method <laughs> of management. And it kind of goes along with that theme. If you have to supervise someone or if, it's, if you're a parent or whatnot in that kind of role, you know, say something nice. It's not all bad. Kiss them, kick them, you know, the correction, and kiss them, all right? That kind of makes sense, right? A nice balance, a little quick reminder. John Gottman, uh, who is a researcher in marriage... Uh, who studied uh, uh, marriages over a period of time longitudinally, uh, found out that, uh, he calls it the five horsemen, some biblical reference of uh, the kiss of death to marriages. And one of them was this uh, uh, praising versus criticism. And they, he found that uh, marriages that were predicted to be winners and have longevity had a praise to criticism, criticism ratio of five to one. The marriages that were lasting, predicted to last and not end up in divorce had a ratio of five to one. So not just kiss them, kick them, kiss them, but praising five to one these is how, this is how uh, uh, the winners in marriages survived. And the ones that were predicted to end up in divorce <clears throat> were certainly much less than that. So that goes along with our theme. So that's a top 10 practical things, ways to deal with conflict. Again, we started with imagine. Imagine we didn't have to do this. Imagine the world lived in peace. Imagine we lived in harmony. But the only way to break this cycle of scarcity mentality and selfishness is a, our own heart transplant, one heart at a time. God changes the world. Yes, the world. That is our hope. We're not going to be uh, doomsday people. On New Year's Eve, we're going to sing the Imagine song, Imagine That We Had World Peace. Imagine we had that. But God is building up that kingdom. He is. And the victory is already won. And God is doing that one heart at a time, 
one relationship at a time, one family at a time, one congregation at a time. This is how we go from competition to collaboration, mistrust to trust, war to peace. And I found, I'm going to close on Luke 17, 20. I found the scripture that actually talked about God's kingdom is not out there, it's in here. I've referred to that many, many times here, right? God's victory, God's kingdom it's not an earthly kingdom, but it's in our hearts, right? And he does it in our hearts. And here's the passage I found, Luke 17, 20. Once the Pharisees uh, asked Jesus, when is the kingdom of God, when, when, when will it come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in you, is within you. There it is. There it is. So just so you know, I wasn't just making that up. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for your kind attention. Is your uh, tumblies rumbling? Maybe. We're going to have some wonderful time of fellowship and thanksgiving and thinking about what? Anything that is praiseworthy, true, and right. All right, let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for today and your scripture and the teachings and exhortations of the Apostle Paul, encouraging common ground, encouraging being on the same page, encouraging us uh, iron sharpening iron and showing us a path uh, of, uh, of how to have the right attitude to live and deal with conflict with one another, to find common ground, to look for things that are praiseworthy, to rejoice in the process because it's all good, Lord, because you, your uh, victory that we started with this song, Imagine. Uh, imagine that there's no war. God, you have conquered that war in the battlefield of our own hearts, in the reality of our own souls, God. You have won the victory. And you empower us to live victoriously, morally. And God, your kingdom is as we uh, affect our relations around us, your body of Christ comes together. And may we be the light, your light, shining in this world that you have redeemed. One life at a time. And we pray for those around us, God that do not have your light, your hope that's expressed in the song, Imagine. Not just a fantasy, God, but we pray for uh, the true hope and light that you give in our lives. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. So these things we ask and pray, and all God's people said, amen. <laughs>